All right, let's get into this, huh? If I asked you, uh, do you believe in the power of prayer? And you're a believer, you're a Christian, you go, oh, yeah, 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 prayer is very important, very important, very powerful, right? I know God can do things. Yeah, I've heard, stuff, I've heard stuff, right? But then I would ask you, well, how often do you pray if it's that important? And you realize, I don't really pray that much. If something that's supposed to be so powerful is available to me and I don't use it that much, do I really think it's powerful? Because think about it, in your life, if you had something of power, right, if I gave you a gift and I gave you the ability to fly, right, and then you don't use it, I would go, do you not respect the power that you have been given, right? And so prayer is one of those things. It is powerful, but you say, I don't pray often. And some of you believe and you pray, but sometimes it doesn't seem to work. Who loves to pray? Right? I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Some of you were scared to raise your hand or not scared. You're like, it's a trap. I know it. Um, <laughs> because sometimes it doesn't seem to work. So we, and this is the final installment of week four of Advantageous. And we've done this collection because to be advantageous, advantageous means doing things, setting up, you know, opportunities, plans that can put you in favorable circumstances. And ultimately, I think that's what we all want, right? Favorable circumstances, right? But something has to happen, right? You have to work towards that. There is an advantageous way, right? And so we've been watching and and reading through what Jesus has done, right? Because Jesus said, this is the way. And what he's saying is like, no, this is the best way to do this. There's many ways to go about life, but the most advantageous way is the way, what Jesus asked us and the way he lived. And so it ends up in this not just a believing, but it's actually a following. And if you remember back to the early followers of Jesus, we call them followers for a reason, because he he didn't just show up and say, hey, believe me. All right, now stay there and I'm going to leave. No, he said, follow me, because it's about believing and following in the footsteps of his way. And so if we want what Jesus had, if we want this advantageous way of life, one of the key parts and a very important part that we often overlook, it's one of the most spoke about things in scripture, that's prayer. If we want what Jesus had, we need to pray like Jesus prayed. And the irony of it is that so many of us don't. So many of us don't. Why do we do this? We follow his teachings, and those are effective. And anybody that can't get on board with God is like, I just can't believe, you know, believing that Jesus was fully God, fully man, died, rose again, that's one of the hardest things to get on board with when it comes to Christianity. And so I tell them, well, just try it, right? Just follow his teachings, because I know the teachings alone will change your life. But if you really want all of it to take full grasp, It's not just about following a procedure. It's about a relationship. And so praying while going through the teachings will open up whole new avenues that you didn't even think were possible. But so many many of us don't. Why do we do this? If we know it is powerful, and we've heard that many times before, and we've heard stories of people praying and all these crazy things are happening, right? Why don't we do it? I have three reasons why we struggle to pray consistently and effectively, right? And so if you're taking notes, here's the time to start taking notes. Three reasons. Okay, number one, 
Some of us lack focus. Some of us lack focus. Some of you have already lost you. I just started. Now you're in, you, you lack that much focus. You get distracted easy. You get, you're one of those ADD prayers, right? You're someone that like starts talking to God, and it's like, Lord, help these people in butterfly, right? And you, say, and you, get, you get distracted. You forget what you're doing in the moment, right? Really easy to do. Your mind wanders. You even get bored. <gasps> he said bored. You don't get bored with God, right? It's possible. I, it's happened to me. Again, this isn't a message that's like pastor on his high horse who's overly spiritual and thinks that, oh, yeah, you guys should just come up to my level. No, that's, that's me too. I can be praying, getting bored, and getting distracted. I can remember times, especially as a kid, where I'd be trying to pray at night because this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to talk to God. And I pray. I get bored. I fall asleep. I wake up the next day and go, I didn't say amen. That's signing the contract of, of the prayer, right? And then I like say amen really quick. Oh, amen. Everything I said, hopefully it's not too late. The contract didn't expire. We think we didn't close it, whatever it may be. We get distracted and we think that God says, nope, you didn't sign it. No deal. Not going to happen. Number two, some of us lack confidence. We hear about prayer warriors, um, you know, if you've ever been called one, it's a real esteemed title. So, I mean, man, you're a real prayer warrior, right? Um, you hear about these people. You probably don't have a lot of relationships with one, but they're professional prayers. They're the kind of people that when they pray, they know all the names of God, and they use all of them in the same prayer. They even make up things, and they say, like, Daddy God, and you know, that kind of stuff, because it's not just enough. Some of that just you, you, you know, either... There's two dichotomies in the world, either daddy God or no daddy God. You know, this is just, you're in one of those spaces, no middle. Um, but they know all the names of God, and they say all the names, and you're like, man, that's intimidating, right? Or, or they say verses. They'll like list out a verse, a promise of God, and it says, Lord, I'm going to stand on this because you said in, in Revelation, blah, 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 or you said in, in the Old Testament, all these things. And it's intimidating, right? It's because it's a big book. And some people, when they come to me and they're like, oh, you're a pastor? But you can be with this scripture, blah, 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 what it said. And I'm like, it's a big book. I, I, can't, I can't remember all of it. You know, I got a few favorites that I can remember, but that's why I have notes. And I, and, I, and I write them down because I'm not that great at remembering all these things. So we end up being intimidated by it because they're listing out verses while they pray. And most of us are in a place where if somebody just calls on us, you know, at say Thanksgiving or at the dinner table, I love doing this to people. It's like, hey, you pray, you know, real quick, you know, put them on the spot. Uh, how do you talk to God kind of thing? And most of us are like, good food, good drinks, good Lord, let's eat, Right? which is a great prayer. You know, it's good. It's effective. Lord hears it. Um, and I'm sure he, he also laughs with us. But you don't feel like you don't really know how to pray. How do you, how do you even start, right? How, how do I, because I don't want to, you know, embarrass myself. And some of us, in the lack of confidence area, we think we don't deserve it. We disqualify ourselves from whatever we want to pray for, thinking, I've done all of these bad things, and I don't necessarily intend to stop. So I, disqual I disqualify myself. I don't deserve to ask God for help. We disqualify ourselves. We feel embarrassed to ask because we don't even want to admit that we just might be a part of the problem, right? Uh, so some of us lack focus. Some of us lack confidence. And number three, some of us lack faith. We don't really believe God hears or cares, when we pray. 
We tried it once with an issue, something was going on. We even listed bullet points out of like, Lord, if you just do it this way, you'll look great. You're welcome, right? Great PR for you, Lord. And then it didn't happen. It didn't work. He didn't answer the prayer. And we begin to lose faith. And it's great for others. Have faith. But for me, I just don't think he listens. I don't think he, he likes me much. Right? And so we end up in the lack of it. Your marriage, you asked for something, but it didn't pan out the way you thought it would. You asked for healing, but you still haven't been healed. You asked for uh, some kind of addiction to get over that. Like, and I say addictions, I don't mean just drugs or alcohol or anything that we know that's like very apparent in your face, but anything can be an addiction. Your phone can be an addiction. A relationship can be an addiction. A person can be an addiction. Right? A hobby can be an addiction. You have all these things. It's anything that you would put in front of God or put in front of the people that you should be caring about. That's an addiction. You're prioritizing it over what is truly important. And so you end up with this addiction. You're like, Lord, take it away from me, not really wanting to be taken away because it's an addiction. And so you're like, Lord, take it away, and it doesn't happen. And then you start to lose faith. of like, maybe he doesn't care about me that much, right? What you prayed for didn't happen. And for a church planter, it's really hard to pray for things because I go to these meetings, right, and I hear from these other pastors in different areas uh, all over the U.S. and sometimes the world, and they're like, man, we prayed for this, and, and then money just flew out of the sky, and, and, and millions of dollars, and we bought the building, and we did all the things we do want to do. And I'm like, Lord, what are they saying that I'm not? <laughs> and it gets tough. You end up in a place where you have a lack of faith because it's not panning out the way that you would want it to or the way it's happening for others. Usually in those three areas. Prayer might work for others, but it doesn't work for me. It makes it hard. So today is the final puzzle piece that I have for you for making this the most advantageous year you've ever had. Right? So the first week, I wanted you to get mad. And if you were mad at me, that's fine. I could deal with it. Okay? I wanted you to get mad and upset about things. I want you to get stirred up. And then week two, I want you to be motivated to do something about it. Make a step, right? To, be, to decide you can't take it anymore and some action needs and plan something, right? And then last week, we talked about how just because you want something to change doesn't mean you should discount the moment that you're in. Don't be so locked into what you don't have, you miss what you do. And be thankful for the day that the Lord has made, right? And those are all things that we can do. And this last piece can feel ironic because you're thinking, Bill, you tell me all this stuff to get control of it. And this was everything else out there tells you. You, wanna, you have a resolution. You have something you want to change. Here's all the tools. You can take control of it yourself. The last component is letting go of control. It's letting go. And that takes vulnerability. It takes um, putting yourself aside and saying, I don't have all the answers, and I might not be able to change this. And I'm willing to be vulnerable to make that happen. And so this is the final piece for the most advantageous year that you've ever had. It is prayer. And to understand what prayer is, we're going to start with what prayer is not, okay? What prayer is not. First off, prayer is not a formal presentation. It is not a ritual. It is not something that you do just because you're, you think that you're supposed to do it, like brushing. It's, no, it's, there is a reason why you pray it's meant for something, okay? It's not giving God a wish list, right? It's saying, Lord, 
I'm going to get my wish list in before everybody else. So maybe you'll, you'll meet my needs for this year. God is not a cosmic vending machine that you go to him and you say the right kind of words and the right pattern and form with the right inflection and energy and sincerity. And that means you hit A12 and you got the car that you wanted, right? That's, that's not what it is. He's not a cosmic vending machine. It's not a spiritual negotiation time. It's not a transactional of like, okay, Lord, I want this. Okay, to, to earn this, I'm going to put a deal on the table. I'm going to stop doing this. Okay, I know you don't like this, and it says in your scripture very plainly, you don't like me doing this, so I'm going to stop this to get this. He's not here to negotiate with you so you can get what you want. That's not the case. He wants an actual relationship. It's not a performance to impress God. There is not a string of words, an inflection, or how you could sing it that would impress God more than others. Because he's not, it's not about the showmanship, it's about the sincerity of the heart. Now, if your sincerity is explosive, great. That's the outward expression. He cares more about what's happening on the inside. The truth of where you are, how deep you're letting him go into your heart. And then finally, it's not a show to impress others. Now, if you grew up in a Pentecostal world, you kind of understand this. I did that they would use prayer as like a show to impress, right? And so when I was in first in, in ministry, I, I was a youth pastor, and I would go to these, you know, camps and stuff like that. And if you've ever been in a charismatic Pentecostal world, it's very loud, right? And everybody's like trying to compete with each other. They're trying to yell their prayers as if like, God won't hear yours because I'm yelling louder to mine. You know, it's going to get to him faster or whatever it may be. And I remember in these moments where these certain youth pastors, they would like be in the altar and they would be praying with kids that, that are just, you know, they're crying, they just went through a breakup or whatever it may be. And they're crying, they're distraught. And they would get in their ears and they would, the Lord said, and, 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 and fall down fire. And I, you know, it was this loud and, and, and exciting thing. I was getting pumped for him. I was like, wow, yeah. And then I thought, maybe I should do that because I want to have that effect on kids. And so I... I grabbed him and I screamed in their ears and said, the Lord loves you and he, he wants you to do great things and you know, all this stuff. That was a show. He doesn't need me to yell it. He just needs me to petition on their behalf to raise something up to him. Those are the things that prayer is not. And a lot of those things are the reason why prayer might not be that as a priority in your life because you have experienced something like that. But Jesus teaches us, and we and following through the way and what he does, that prayer isn't just a Christian task to complete. It's life. It's a way of life. It is how you live, okay? So the way Jesus lived and how he did this is that he prioritized the presence of God. He made sure that he made moments where God was at the foremost of what he was doing. And he used prayer to do that. He would leave crowds, crowds that are there to see him, walk away, sneak away, right? He would get up early in the morning. He would go be by himself. He would go be alone on a mountain. He would be alone on a lake. And everybody's always looking for him. If, it's really funny. If you go back and read the New Testament, track how many times they're trying to find Jesus, the Savior of the world, and they can't find him. 
he disappeared again. Where did he go? You would think somebody would put like an air tag on him. If he was here today, that's what they would do. They would geotrack him and everything. Like it would just be like satellites. would just be following Jesus. Probably why he came the time that he did, right? So we, they want to know where he was, but he would prioritize his time with God so much so that he would just sneak off. He'd be like, oh, you guys are too much. I got I to gotta go talk to my, my dad. You guys, whew, y'all are wearing me out. I got to talk to dad, right? And then he would go talk to dad. So look how Jesus prioritized prayer, when to pray, when he did it, and what opportunities. Because we've been getting to think, if there was a being that walked this earth that didn't have to pray, you would think you could justify that, it would be Jesus, right? The one and only that could get away with it, it would be Jesus. But then we find that he probably prayed the most out of anybody. And to prove that, I'm going to go through a list. I'm going to speed read this, try to keep up with me. Uh, But buckle up, here we go. Jesus prayed at his baptism. He prayed in the morning before heading to Galilee. He prayed after healing people. He prayed all night before choosing his disciples. He prayed while speaking to the Jewish leaders. Uh, He prayed giving thanks uh, before feeding the 5,000. He prayed before walking on water. He prayed while healing a deaf man and mute man. Um, he prayed while giving, he gave thanks to the father for feeding 4,000. He, he prayed before Peter called Jesus, uh, the Christ. He prayed at the transfiguration. Uh, he prayed at the return of the 70 before teaching his disciples, the Lord's prayer. He prayed before he talked about prayer. He prayed, um, before he was raised Lazarus from the dead. He prayed, he prayed for all the children, all the little children of the world. Um, he asked, he, he asked for the father, uh, to glorify his name. He asked, at the Lord's Supper. He prayed the Lord's Supper. He prayed uh, when Satan asked him to sift Peter, meaning like maybe get rid of Peter. He's kind of a hothead. Uh, he prayed for that. He prayed for himself, his disciples, and his believers before going to Gethsemane. In Gethsemane, before his betrayal, he prayed. Uh, right after being nailed to the cross, he prayed. While dying on the cross, you would think he would be like, okay, you don't have to do it anymore. He still prayed while dying on the cross. Um, in his dying breath, he prayed. He prayed a blessing over the bread as he ate with the others after his resurrection. He prayed a blessing over his disciples before his ascension. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and it was constant. And these are just the times we documented. If he did it this much, I guarantee you he did it more. It's like he prayed more than anything else. So if this is the truth, And if Jesus, all-knowing Jesus, fully God, fully man, saw it this important, we should too. It should be first priority for us. Absolutely. Prayer to Jesus was more than just an emergency lifeline like we treat it. It was everything. Everything. Small things, big things, good things, bad things, middle things, mediocre things, all the things, prayer, brought before God, everything. Prayer isn't just a Christian task. Prayer is the way you live. And in your innermost thoughts, and probably some of you are thinking this, even in the moment where you're like, man, I know I need to pray, you think, I don't have time. I've got too much going on. i got too many issues, too many things weighing on me. There's so much to do. I don't have time to pray. I say, you don't have the time not to pray because your time is limited. You have got to pray. It's kind of like 
there's something wrong with your vehicle and it's beyond your control. And you're like, you know what? I'm not going to bother the manufacturer. I'm just going to try to figure this out. You won't go far. I can tell you that. Right? And so, but you got to take it back to the manufacturer. If there's something in life you can't figure out, which is most things, you can't figure out, take it back to God. Take it back to the one who created it all, who can give you the wisdom and forethought and be able to almost see the truth of what it is through his eyes to be able to address what it is, to help you bring your life to a functioning place. Almost, it's almost impossible to be effective truly in life with joy, peace, and witness without prayer. Division in relationships, uh, relational stress, financial pressure, temptation, complicated decisions. You need God's presence and power. Why wouldn't you want it? That's one of the things that I, it baffles me about myself. It's like these things that I face, why do I try to face it alone? If you're a hunter, God essentially handed down a scoped rifle and said, man, you can do some really cool things with this. Use it. But you decide, no, I'm going to use a knife, and I'm going to try to sneak up on it, right? I'm going to try to do it that way. You might get lucky. Uh, chances are it'll kill you, whatever it is you're trying to kill, okay? And we discount the power of what he has given us. He has given you the effective nature to have the creator of the universe in relationship right there with you. To be effective in this world, we must disconnect from it. And I know that's confusing, but that's true. To be effective in this world, we have to disconnect from it. Disconnect from what doesn't last to connect to the one who does last forever. And we have to prioritize that. It's not just going to happen for you, okay? So in Matthew 6, 6, like what does that look like? And I'm going to read two, the same scripture in two different versions, okay? So in Matthew 6, 6, this is normally what we read, and it's super confusing, and I get it, okay? And the NIV, it says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That is so confusing. I don't know about you, but it's like, how do I do that? What does that look like? What does that even mean, right? So luckily we have the message version, which is not a literal translation, but it's a little, it's a good thing for us, right? So I'm going to read this. That really helps out. Matthew 6, 6 and the message. It says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense His grace. Big difference, right? Big change when we put it into our own culture and our context and how we think. Saying, get alone. Block out the noise. Eliminate the distractions. Put the phone aside. Forget you have social media or it even exists just for a short period of time. The text that people are sending you and you hear your phone ding and ding and ding and ding and ding, they'll still be there. They don't disappear. They'll still be there. They can wait, whatever it may be. It's an emergency, they'll probably call. Um, it, you've, the funny video, YouTube, that your friend has sent you, it's on the internet. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be there forever. It can wait. It can wait. It'll be just as funny five minutes from now as it is in that moment. Just push it aside. Because the truth is, intimacy 
is what God is after, and intimacy is not accidental. You're like, wait a minute. You know, I, I'm be- I got married a long time ago. I'm in love. We had this magic moment. Okay, that's one moment, okay? Everything after, you got to work for you got to make moments for intimacy. you got to prioritize. There is nobody in your life, if you are married or you're in a relationship, nobody's going to go, you know what? You need to spend more time with your spouse. I'm going to take this off of you. You ever heard those words? I haven't. I have never heard that before. Only in very unique, special moments, led by God's people, that would even happen. And especially, your boss is not going to say, hey, man, I've been noticing you're going through it. Be 30 minutes late to work to go pray. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. They're going to be like, if you're not 30 minutes early, you're late. There's more to do. They don't care about your personal development. They have things they want to hit, they, goals they want you to hit. Intimacy is never accidental because intimacy requires vulnerability. And vulnerability, for me growing up, was a weakness. It was portrayed as a weakness. So you don't be vulnerable. You close up. You be, try to be you know, strong. Be like a rock to everybody around you. But truthfully, vulnerability is strength. <clears throat> it's your willingness to say, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. And I'm willing to put myself out there because I know I can survive it. That, to me, is real strength. You can never close to a friend or a spouse without time together. You've got to make time for it. You don't go on a date and sit on opposite sides of the restaurant. Fundamentally, you go, we went on a date. We went to the same restaurant. But you sat on different sides and never talked. Nor do you go sit down at a table with them and then bring a noisy person with you. Or you sit at the bar and put the noisy person in between you. Or you don't bring a police scanner and put it on the table and listen to the police scanner while trying to have an intimate moment. You would get distracted. And that sounds funny, but that's what our phones do to us. Your phones are trying to alert you constantly. Hey, life's happening. Things are going on around you. You should be afraid. You should act. Move now. Interact with me. That's what they make those things to do. You can't be intimate if there's something there purposely distracting you. So the places that you pray matter. Not all places you are matter, but the places you pray do. We have to prioritize. And if you don't have a place, you make a space for it. It's that important. So if you're thinking, no, I can pay attention. I can do that. I don't have to put my phone away. I got a challenge for you. All right, everybody, close your eyes. Close your eyes. I want you to picture a pink elephant. Look at that pink elephant. Now think of a car. Now think of money. Now think of a toilet, a dirty toilet. Think about food. Where are you going to eat after this, right? What about a car coming at you? Somebody cut you off. Oh, no. Well, quick, look at my leg. It hurts. Some of you opened your eyes. So it's hard, right? Even just in that exercise, you can open your eyes now. Even in that exercise, it's hard to focus on something because I am yelling at you. That is what life is doing to you. The world around you does not care about your special time with God or your intimate time with your spouse, they want something from you and they're going to take it and they're going to try their best to get your attention to get it. So things and people want it, you got to make space for the intimate moments where you pray matters. So now that we've created a space, and some of you probably aren't thinking about it, you're like, oh man, I'll have to like 
go into another room, a closet. I'll have to go to the garage. I'll have to go into the attic. I'll have to go into the woods. I don't care where you go. Make a space for it, okay? Just figure out where it is. And so then you're in the space, and you're like, what do I pray about? Now that I'm here, what do I pray about? Pray about whatever you care about. You're like, well, that sounds crazy. Why would the Lord care about anything that I have to say? Because it tells us in Scripture, in Philippians 4, 6, in the NLT, Paul is telling us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. God wants to hear what's on your mind. Even if it's, Lord, I don't know, I, I, I should like Wheaties better, but I just favor Frosted Flakes. I don't know what it is. And you're thinking, why would God care? He does. He cares. If you're a parent or you have a niece or a nephew, you've experienced this. You will have the most meaningless conversations just so you can talk to the little ones in your life. God feels the exact same way about you. He is your father, your heavenly father. He wants to know everything. So even if you don't have something important or profound to ask for, just talk to him. He wants to have intimacy with you. You're you are on his mind. You are on his heart. So talk to God like a close friend because he is. He's the closest friend you will ever have. And if you have questions, ask. Even if you feel like God would not care about this, ask anyways. Or it might be a big issue. And you're thinking, man, what do I do about this? Lord, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to ask you for help. Just help. Ask. See what he does. Ask for wisdom. Ask for direction. If you're mad or you're hurting, tell him. Some of us, we have this idea that, you know, he is holy and he is amazing and he is the best thing ever. He is the one, right? But that doesn't mean he doesn't want anything to do with our anger. He wants every part of us. And that even means the hurting and anger. There has been times that I have been so mad, I yelled at God. And I say, God, how dare you let me get into this and not provide in this way or whatever it may be? How, how, why would you let this happen, Lord? Now, I don't do it all the time, okay? I don't do it all the time, but I have. Give God a chance to show you that he cares. Give him a chance to respond. Don't say, well, I guess he just doesn't care about me, and then put him in the corner and say, well, I guess you just stay over here, and I'll stay over here. No, give him a chance to defend himself. Give him a chance to say why things are happening. Give him a chance to impart wisdom upon you so you, that you can realize, man, he really was a part of this. Tell him what makes you mad. Tell him what upsets you. He can handle it. He can. And so after we've created a space and we're trying to figure out what's, what we're talking about, don't undervalue the potential of prayer in your life. Don't undervalue it. It's a struggle to pray, and I get that. And one of the problems that we, we have as humans is we compartmentalize our lives. We, we, we section it off, right? And we decide who can be a part of what section. And that's fine to do with humans because we need boundaries. And boundaries are healthy. I highly encourage boundaries, all right? Um, nobody's going to encourage you to have boundaries. I'm encouraging you right now. Do it, okay? But with God, there are no boundaries. He's a part of everything but he's the one that we treat most with boundaries. We invite him to be in parts of our life, but not the rest. Okay, here's another uh, pastoral confession to you guys. I am not a big fan, and, and the looks at me, you wouldn't believe it. I'm not a big fan of potlucks. 
I'm really not. Because all it takes is one bad dish and a potluck to ruin the whole potluck. And you're like, how is that possible? There's so many other good ones. And I'm like, no, you eat that one thing, it will ruin that meal the night and possibly days after from that one thing. I have had a bad experience, okay, when it comes to potlucks. But we treat our lives this way. We treat it with like highlight reels. And we say, oh, look at these, these four things that I have prepared, right? This is my marriage, my home, and my career. Don't look at the entree about God. My prayer life, don't you? That one, it's not great, right? And we think that that's okay, but we live holistically, right? Everything affects everything. That's why he tells us to pray about everything, because we have no idea and don't realize how effective one thing can be on the rest of our life. If your relationship with God is not in the best condition, it will affect the other things. It will. I can guarantee that. Absolutely. So if your prayer life is lacking, if that's the dish that doesn't, you know, bring a lot of flavor and excitement to your life, if it even is so diminished and lacking that it's unhealthy, and now you're poisoning yourself because you're removing, you're making, you're giving yourself, uh, uh, making yourself dysfunctional because you're lacking the very thing that you need, it will affect all the other compartmentalized things in your life. It's very Important. All it takes is one, one meal. That's a good lesson with potlucks. It takes one thing to ruin the whole potluck, okay? Plus, that's not fair to God. That's not fair to God. We want him available for all, but only when we need him. We're like, be my God when I'm in the mood for you to be my God. That's how we treat him. That's what we do. He wants to be involved in everything, even the things that are boring and stupid. He wants to be involved in it. But we say, no, no, just the only things I want you involved in. Be my God when I'm in the mood for you to be my God. God doesn't want it just to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. He wants to be there through the bad things, the good things, the mediocre things, everything. And he will never leave you. Even in the moments where you thought he left you, he didn't. You just had wrong perspective. You didn't realize he was there the whole time. Prayer isn't just a Christian task, it's the way you live. We can feel it too much um, that, you know, we read a verse, and this verse bothered me growing up, and it probably bothers you, and there's, I have different translations of it. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It induces extreme prayer guilt, and it can change your perspective on prayer. Okay, here's a translation. In the NLT, it says, never stop praying. That's intimidating. In the NIV, it says, pray continually. Maybe the King James Version will be better. It says, pray without ceasing. That's even worse, right? How do you compete with that? What does that even mean? How do I function in the world if I'm in the... Oh, Lord, help me. You, know, if you can't drive like that. You can't do things like that. It's not saying that formally in presentation how we pray. It just means being in conversation. It, just because you're not formally putting your hands together does not mean that God can't hear you right? That's just an indicator to the people around you that you're praying. Don't touch me, <laughs> you know? Leave me alone or just pay attention. I'm talking to the Lord. It's kind of like the same as a ring. I don't need this ring to tell me that I am in love and married to my wife. This is an indicator to all the others out there that are trifling that would want this, right? <laughs> right? This is, this is an outward expression of what's on the inside, 
If, someone, if I'm not wearing my ring and someone comes hit on, hits on me, and I'm like, well, I got to give him a fair chance. I'm not wearing my ring. That's not a, that's not a thing. I was like, I'm super flattered, but I am happily married, right? It doesn't happen. I, I, I say that. It's more of an implication of a joke. Okay. But if I went home and I tell Hannah, this is a sidebar. It has nothing to do with it. I tell Hannah, <laughs> Hannah's like, good for you. You still got it, right? And she actually gets hit on. I don't. And, and she comes and tells me. She's like, this guy did this. Can you believe that? And I'm like, yeah, I can't believe it, but also, good, way to go. High five. You know, you, you got it, girl. They're seeing what I'm seeing. Uh, <laughs> that's totally, that had nothing to do with anything, guys. Why'd you let me get distracted? Praying is about getting alone. Praying is about talking to God and so much more. It's about involving him into every part of your life, letting him in, in your business decisions. Yes, your transactions. And it's not even that you need him to do anything. You say, Lord, just bless this thing. Just be all over it, Lord. I do that a lot. There's meetings that I go into, and I'm like, Lord, I don't even know what to ask for this meeting. But Lord, just be there. Just take control of it. There's some Sundays I get up here, and I don't even know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, Lord, do your thing. No, I'm just kidding. I know what I'm going to say most of the time. I used to say that to scare people. Um, prayer is living in God's presence. It's breathing in God's grace. It's hearing God's whisper. It's experiencing his peace when you're in the midst of chaos. That's what prayer is. Prayer isn't just getting God to do what you want him to do. It's about lining our will to his and saying, Lord, your will is better. I got some things that I can do, and I have these attributes that you've given me, these skills and trades and all these things. But Lord, help me use this stuff for your will. Because I could do something probably cool and impress the other humans, but Lord, I don't care what the other humans think. I think about, care about what you think. Because you're my creator. You're my manufacturer. Now I want to go back to you. Prayer is a place for conviction of sin. And usually that's where we avoid it. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to talk to God because I knew what I did was wrong, and I don't want to admit it. I don't want to stop what I'm doing. So I'm not going to talk to him about it. I'm just going to ignore him. We're going to act like it never happened. It's a conviction of sin. For some of it, it's comfort and trials. Sometimes we think, I put myself in this position, and I'm not going to bother God with it. No, he wants to be bothered with it because it affects his child, you. He wants, it can be comfort and trials. It could be trying to know his direction. It could be hurting uh, over what you're hurting for. It could be rejoicing. He wants the good news too. Basically, it's asking us, what is prayer without ceasing? It's just don't stop having a relationship with God because of your circumstances. Don't think that you have to create a boundary with God. He wants to be involved in everything. And he is truly the only one in your life that can be involved in everything because he sees it all. God wants to be a part of it all. So much so, this is what it said. I have two scriptures, and I'm going to close. I'm going to be done. I promise to be quick. In 1 John, it said, in 5, 14 through 15, the NIV, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, basically praying, that if we ask anything according to his will, usually skip over the his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And I'm going to add something on to this for you. I'm going to say, we know that we have what we asked of him in 2023. Usually we read this kind of stuff and we think, oh, that was for Paul. That was for Peter. That was for Matthew. No, it's for you. 
right now. Yes, it was for them, but it's also for you, just as much as it was for them. Now, they might have endured something different, had a different burden to carry that God didn't give you, but that doesn't mean he doesn't care about you any less. He cares about you just as much. So he hears you according to his will. When we ask for things in 2023, this year, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, I just read it a little bit of earlier, I'll finish, I'll conclude with it. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, that means all the situations that you can think of, every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus in 2023. In 2023. Now, Prayer isn't just a thing we do. It is a way we live. It is a way we survive. It is a way we thrive. It is a way we conquer. It is a way that we create new opportunities. It is a, it is a way that we lead others to our Creator. It is a way that we come to Him in His presence and bask in who He is. It is in that, in that way that we love our spouses. It is a way that we love our children. It's the way that we come into our career, go to work, step into the office, and be the light that they need when they have no light. It's all of it. It's everything. And I'll tell you this. If God is the one that you talk to most in 2023, more than any other human, more than you look at your device, if he's the one that you talk to most, you are doomed for an advantageous year. Doomed for it. You can't avoid it. You have welcomed the creator of the universe into your life. That is an advantageous way. That is the most advantageous way to live. And that's what I want for you. I want it to be so life-changing, so revolutionary, It'll, be, it'll get out of control. You won't even be able to control it anymore. They'll come to a point to say, God, I'm just, I'm just for, on for the ride because you're doing some amazing stuff. That's the 2023 I want for you. And if that is this year, I can't wait to see 2024. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for all that you do in our life. Thank you that we're not at this alone that you just didn't send the world spinning and say, figure it out. But Lord, you want to be intimately friends with us. You want to be in every part of our lives, the small, the big, the mediocre, the, the chaos, all of it, Lord, the mess. You want to be right there with us. And so, Lord, whatever is blocking us, whatever mental thing that we have blocking, whatever physical thing that we have blocking that's keeping us from prioritizing our time with you, shed light on it so that we can identify it and we can either remove those things or put them aside to, so they won't be distractions in the moment. So, Lord, that we can continue to develop our intimacy, our intimate relationship with you. And, Lord, I can't wait to hear what happens out of this. I can't wait to see the life-changing opportunities that come forth because of our prayers to you. So, Lord, give us the strength. Give us the courage. Give us the fortitude to rely on speaking with you constantly without ceasing 
as this becomes the most advantageous year we have ever had. In Jesus' powerful name I pray, amen.